Good morning. Welcome to Connection. Welcome to all of you who are attending online and the, those of you who are here. I just want you to know that every Sunday that I gather with all of you, wherever you happen to be, I kind of had a privilege to worship with you, to fellowship with each other, to study the word together, that we get to serve each other. I hope you feel that way too. And if you're newer here, I want just to let you know that we're glad that you're here. We actually plan for you to be here. We've counted our purpose to help people get connected to God and each other through Jesus. We're always open to the next person who needs to find a place to put their roots down deep and grow in God. So if you're newer, I hope you'll keep coming. My name's Pastor Brian, and uh, after the service, I'd love to meet you. I'll actually be back in the hub. My wife, Kirsten, will be there with me, hopefully. And we'd just come by and say hello, and, and let's talk for a bit. And uh, just a huge shout-out to all the people who are graduating, whether it be today or you just graduated or you're getting ready to graduate. We know we've got several graduating today, and we're excited for you, and we are optimistic for what is next for you. We're starting this new series, Level Up, so it's a great time. You guys are all leveling up, and we are happy to be along with you on this journey. So one of the things I loved about going to my grandparents' house when I was little was just the unique things they had. My grandma had an old washing machine from probably dates back close to World War II, I'm not sure that it was electric. In my memory, it wasn't plugged in at all. It had like a wash basin, and it had a ringer. In my head, it's a hand ringer, but I was trying to find pictures of it online, and the only things I could find were kind of electric. I do remember that it was very dangerous. I think we might have a picture. Does anybody remember seeing something like that, and maybe in a museum or in your own house? Yeah. I didn't trust my memory, so I asked my dad, hey, did Grandma actually have that at her house, you know? And he was like, oh, yeah, definitely, and it was worse. No dryer, no electric dryer. Grandma insisted on taking the clothes outside, hanging them up, bringing them back in, and ironing all of them. And uh, there's reasons for that. I'm not judging. And so I'm sure my grandma right now has better things to do in heaven than watch me preach. But in case she's watching, I'm not judging. I understand. And if you get to heaven before I do, don't tell her I said <laughs> But, but I was looking at my grandma, and I'm just remembering this, and I'm thinking, man, she just allowed her life to be harder than it had to be. What if my grandma had availed herself of modern things like electricity and the aid of appliances? And, and I wonder about that. I was just thinking, just taking a step back, how many times do you and I make our lives harder than it needs to be because we don't avail ourselves of the power that is available to us? How many times do we go through life, and, and it's so much less than it could be? So I, what I'm talking about in this series, and we're going to be going through the first part of the book of Acts, is seeing that there is actually a power that is available to you that came into the world 2,000 years ago, and it's still here. The Holy Spirit, the power of God is available. And so many times, I'm talking to Christians specifically right now, we're doing life in a way that is not tapping into the power that's available to us. And I'll say, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you are just one decision away from leveling up in a huge way as well to find a whole new kind of life. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before. Have you ever been talking to a Christian and there's just something kind of different in a better way about them? And maybe you are a fellow Christian, but you go like, when I talk to them, it's like they offer to pray with me and I, man, I feel like when I've, I'm done listening to them pray, if I were God, I would listen to their prayer. The, I'm not putting myself in God's place, but you ever talk to somebody like that where you just go, man, I have been prayed for. <laughs> or, or you talk to them and you're sharing a little bit of a problem that you've got and they just start giving you some advice to just, they're not trying to tell you what to do, but they maybe share a scripture with you and it just goes click and you go, oh, and a light goes on and you just see things in a new light and you go, that's just some wisdom they've got. Or, or maybe you just know that they're going through, through some really difficult times in their life. And you're watching them go through it, and you're like, I have no idea how they're getting through it. I mean, they're, they're suffering just like anybody else would, but there's just, they're handling it better. It, it's hard, but it's not crushing them. 
And you think, man, if I was in the same situation, I don't know that I would handle it as well as they are. Now, maybe they're just extraordinarily gifted in their personality and their temperament, but is it possible that there's just a Christian who's a little further down the trail than you are? They've just learned to access this power that is available from God to anyone who has the Holy Spirit living in them. So I just want you to think about this. I, as pastor for decades now, am convinced that a lot of us, and I say us, people who are already trying to follow Jesus, we're making the Christian life harder than it needs to be. If you're trying to take seriously what Jesus taught and you're trying to imitate his example and you're trying to do what he taught and you're doing it simply on your own power, wow, good luck with that. And, and, but all of us do that at one point or another. You just try to be a better person on your own and it's like, I'm gonna try harder, I'm gonna do better, I'm gonna get to church more, I'm gonna read my Bible, I'm going to pray. You're not tapping into the power that could help you. I think of it this way, like if somebody had to tow your car because you know something, it broke down, like, if the tow truck is going to drive, pull, pull your car, you don't want to set the parking brake before they start, right? But that's sometimes how we live. Like God is trying to help us and enable us and empower us to live the life, and we're just not cooperating. So as we talk about this series, leveling up, what I want to encourage you to do is to open your mind and open your heart that maybe God wants to share with you some things that he could be helping you with that you're just not— you're like, here's another way of saying it. I believe, and I have been praying this, that today would be a day where some things just become real clear to you, and this is a turning point for you, where things get easier for you because you start doing them in the power of God and not just in your own ability, your own self-control, your own self-discipline, because we all know that that is finite, and it runs out, but God is infinite. His power and his energy through the Holy Spirit can completely change things for you, and this started actually 1,989 years ago today, and it has not gone away. I want you to find in the Bible, and I'll show you where the power from God came into our world again, and you're going to be looking for the book of Acts in your Bible, A-C-T-S. Go ahead and try to find that if you would, and as you're turning there, I'm just going to tell you a couple of things about that, or just to kind of set the stage here a little bit. So Acts is in the Bible because it is a history of how the church began, and it's a church, a history of how it spread out into the whole world just in a matter of a few decades. It was written by Luke, who was a doctor, as a physician, well-educated guy, incredible vocabulary, and he was a follower of Jesus. If Luke sounds familiar, it's because Luke also wrote the Gospel of Luke. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if you think about it, like Luke is season one, and Acts is season two, and they kind of take up. So let's go ahead and go to Acts, and I'll start in where Luke did in chapter one, verse one. And he says, in my first book, I, Luke, told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after choosing his apostles, or after his chosen apostles, giving them further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Just pause here for a second and be like, who is Theophilus? You told me about Luke, but Theophilus was a friend of Luke's, maybe a guy who was interested in becoming a Christian, maybe a wealthy person who was already a Christian, and Luke said, look, I know I wasn't there for all the things in Jesus' lifetime, but I, I could talk to all the eyewitnesses who were, which is what Luke did to write his gospel. 
and he investigated. He talked to Mary, the mother of Jesus. He talked to all the apostles, and he then for Acts, Luke was there for a good portion of it, so it's autobiographical, and he said he wrote Luke and Acts to help Theophilus grow in his faith, and he says these things about, you know, when Jesus died and he rose from the dead, he stuck around for 40 days to appear to a whole lot of people, hundreds of people, to show them he was alive and to teach them. Now, what I want to do, just because Luke and Acts overlap a little bit, let's go back to Luke, the very last chapter of Luke, just to catch this uh, where he talks about basically the same thing Luke 24 46 uh, so this is one of those times that Jesus was meeting with his disciples after he had risen from the dead Jesus said yes it was written long ago the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day and everyone back then was going oh now I see it now that it's happened so verse 47 it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And Jesus said to his disciples, you are witnesses of these things. And then here's the kicker, verse 49. I will now send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city of Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. So let's go, this is Jesus saying, look, I'm, I'm counting on you to be my witnesses, which is ironic. We'll get to why in a minute, but I want you to stick around here after I leave the planet because I've got something really good for you. Power is on the way within a matter of days. The Holy Spirit is coming. So we go back over to Luke again, or I'm sorry, Acts chapter one, down in verse four. This is the overlap. They're talking about the same thing. Once when Jesus was eating with them, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem till the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John the Baptist baptized with water. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think about the people who are hearing these words. The disciples, what did they do when Jesus was arrested? They ran, yes. What did they do while he was crucified? Did they go stand with their friend in you know, solidarity with him? I don't know if you know this or not. They were behind locked doors, scared to death that they were going to be arrested and executed as well. And Jesus looks at them and says, guys, you're going to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the whole world. I'm like, really? These guys can't even come out of the house. How are they going to be witnesses for Jesus? But Jesus looks at people and he says, I see something in you you don't even see in yourself. And I look at you all and I see world changers. And I see people when they're empowered with the Holy Spirit who are going to be bold and who are going to take my message. And, and this just happened a month and a half later. So Jesus, let's, let's put this in perspective because I keep saying 1,989 years ago uh, because this happened... Assuming Jesus was born on zero, we might have the date wrong by a couple of years, but if it is, then he was 33 when he died and rose again, so that's 33 AD, and here we are 1,989 years later. So when Jesus died, we, you know, that's Good Friday. When he rose again, that's Easter. This year, what was that, April 17th, I think? So, so just put this in your mind. Jesus starts meeting with his disciples from April 17th and for the next 40 days. So that takes us up to the Thursday before Memorial Day. So you can just think about what were you doing a week and a half ago. That's the time frame. And Jesus says, stick around because I've got this power that's going to be coming to you. And Jesus ascended to heaven and they waited for 10 more days in Jerusalem, which takes us to today. Today is the anniversary of what we're about to read. This is in chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost... All the believers were meeting together in one place. 
Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. It filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And this is what Jesus promised, and it's happening. 1,989 years ago today, this happened in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit entered our world with three powerful signs. If you're paying attention when I just read this, you already know what they are. First of all, it was the sound of a mighty wind. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard a tornado before. This is what you should be thinking about. Did it say there was actually wind? No, if you think about it, what did I hear? It was, it was a sound, but I don't think the apostles' went, hair was being blown back like they're on a motorcycle. It was the sound of a wind. And uh, I don't know if you uh, remember, there was a few years ago, it was a Friday night, we went out on our deck because there's a storm coming in and everything got really quiet and the air got funny color. And then we heard something like a train go by and it was that tornado that went over Weldon Springs, took the roof off the school there. You probably remember the tornado literally went over the weather radar ball in Missouri Research Park, just right over the top of it. That's the sound that people heard there. And then there was this thing where people were like almost covered with fire. I don't know if it actually looked like fire or if everybody was just really shimmery, but I imagine it was something that you would never forget if you saw the people around you with the Holy Spirit fire on them. And then they're speaking foreign languages that they've never spoken before or studied, and they're just doing it. They didn't do 10 years of Duolingo, like I've you know, trying to learn in Spanish forever. They're just speaking these languages fluently. It's like a Marvel movie, but this is real life. It was actually happening. This is the power of the Holy Spirit making impossible things possible, entering the world and changing things up. And it was such an extraordinary thing. I just want to go through here and go through the rest of the chapter two of Acts and just show you how everybody leveled up on that day, just what kind of things the power of the Holy Spirit does. I think you're going to find this fascinating. Go on down to verse five and verse six. So they're in Jerusalem. It's Pentecost. The feast is going on. Everybody's in town. It's packed out. It says, at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, you know, the wind, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages spoken by the leader, the believers. First thing I notice here is that the Holy Spirit, when he exercises his power, he has this power to draw a huge crowd in. And I know that everybody in Jerusalem, with that sound like that, assumed they're going to go find a collapsed house. They were just sure, you know, like, sadly, when that house blew up a few months ago with the uh, gas explosion, they just assumed a wind like that, there's nothing left. We're going to be looking for survivors. The house is still standing. And there were thousands of people who came running to see what had happened. And when they showed up, they didn't hear the sound of the wind anymore. They didn't see the fire. There's all these people speaking in these languages. And which was interesting because there's people from all over the world in this metropolitan area, and they hear their language from home. It was an extraordinary thing. This crowd comes and they're hearing these things that are going on and they're, and they're just amazed at what they heard because the Holy Spirit of God can draw people to the right place where they can hear the good news of Jesus. And I have a question for you, wherever you're at, whether you're watching online or you're here right now, would you do this? What was it that God used to get your attention? And for some of you, you don't have to go back very far because you're, like, you're new here. And you're going like, it was last week, and I know what it was. Or it was maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a conversation. For some of you, maybe you have to go further back. Maybe you go, which time? Because I've been in and out of life with God, which is like kind of roller coaster. A lot of people do that. Don't be ashamed. Just welcome back to God and keep pursuing him. But what was it that God first used? What was the loud noise? What was the conversation? What was the experience in your life? Can you think about that? 
Maybe it's worth taking some time today to just reflect on at lunch or this afternoon. What did God use to get my attention and make me start paying attention to him and what place he might have in my life? If you think about that, you can start putting some dots together about how maybe God's been working in your life a lot longer than you actually realize. That he's known about you and cared about you a lot longer than maybe you would ever realize. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit uses people and circumstances, and he even uses your own conscience and your own heart to stir you up and awaken you to what God could be doing in your life and how much better things could be. Maybe even to convict you about some things that just don't need to be in your life anymore. Jesus talked about this himself right before he died. This is in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 8. Jesus said when he, and he's talking about the advocate or the Holy Spirit, when he comes, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. And I just wonder, what is the Holy Spirit convicting you of? What is he warning you that is to come and that you need to get ready for? This crowd of thousands of people showed up at the house and they hear the languages and they know God is doing something and these people are speaking these wonderful things about God. And then look down in verse seven. They were completely amazed. How can this be? These people are from Galilee, yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the Asian provinces, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. We hear all these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done, and they were amazed. And they said, what does this mean? It means the Holy Spirit is drawing you in. And then the Holy Spirit's power does another thing. It is the power to break down these barriers. Because many times languages are a barrier between us, right? We just have a hard time understanding what other people mean and, and judging their intentions. And we divide ourselves into tribes. And they're not like me, so I don't like them. And of course, they don't like me either. But God's breaking that down through what the apostles are doing right there. They're speaking not just their language, but they get the accent right. They get the nuances right. They're using the right expressions. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be in Jerusalem, far, maybe hundreds if not thousands of miles from your home, and you hear a voice from home, and then they're, they're talking about God, and they're saying wonderful, gracious things? That would lower your guard. That would soften you a little bit to what they were saying. I told you, I would love to speak another language fluently. I'd love to speak English fluently, honestly. I don't know how you feel. Several years ago, I was down in Mexico. I was in the middle in Carretero. I was there all week with my brother-in-law. We were teaching in a college there. And at that time, middle of Mexico, we were just completely immersed in Spanish all week, except for our translator. We were pretty much just on our own. And I thought I knew Spanish before I got there. I realized I really don't know Spanish. Whatever I learned in high school wasn't enough for this. The day before we went home, we were down in the centro of town in the kind of historic district, and we were just doing some sightseeing. I, was, I think I was sitting at a fountain. Behind me, I heard people talking loudly coming down an alley, and at first I wasn't really paying attention, but then I started to realize, oh my gosh, I know what they're saying. I think Pentecost is happening right now. I think I know Spanish. Immersion in, in the culture works. And I, just and a moment later, I went, oh no. It's Americans. <laughs> I should have known. They were talking really loudly and being rude. I should have known it was the English that I was hearing, not Spanish. Oh, shoot, I wish it would work that way, but it doesn't. But that's what happened that day. 
you know those guys from Galilee, which is the same thing as saying they were from Alabama. They didn't grow up learning all these foreign languages. This is the Holy Spirit reversing what happened in Genesis where the languages were confused. God is starting to create a new group of people. And we're not going to be divided by our skin color anymore. We're not going to be divided by our prejudices. We're not going to be divided by our languages. We're going to be united in the love that God has and the grace and the fact that we've all been forgiven of our sins and that God has brought us together in this wonderful community. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's breaking down these barriers. I have a word for you if you're already a Christian. Just hear me out. I believe that God may want to use you to be the voice that starts to break down barriers for someone else. And I see a lot of you right now, you're going, nope, because I'm not a pastor, I'm not an elder, I'm not a ministry leader, I'm certainly not an apostle, that is not written to me, Brian. Wait a minute, how do you know? If you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you, and the Holy Spirit definitely wants to bring people together in God's family, what if God wants to use you this week to be the voice to someone to bring them closer to God? How do you know if you don't at least open yourself up to the thought and maybe even pray the prayer, Lord, who do you need to talk to through me this week? I guarantee you that there are people around you who need to hear about God from you. They need to hear it in your voice, your tone. There's people that you live with in the neighborhood who respect you. They know you're a Christian. They've been watching you whether you realize it or not. And you need to be the one who is open when they ask the question. And you go, I don't know what I'm going to say. Does the Holy Spirit not have the ability to give you the words that you need to talk to your family member who asks you a question, to talk to somebody at work who wants to know what you do on Sunday and why you show up every week? The Holy Spirit can enable you if you will trust him. It really just comes down to, am I open to just being the voice of God and letting him speak through me? A lot of times what gets in the way of us actually being a presence for someone else and moving them to Jesus is just fear. I'm not even going to say it's apathy. I think you do care, but I think you might be thinking, I don't know what I'm going to say. Well, do a little bit of preparation, do a little bit of praying, and the Lord will give you the words. I would challenge you when you're thinking about what was it that God did use to get my attention first, I would also challenge you to just pray a simple prayer. Is there someone that needs to hear from me, Lord? And when you give me the nudge, will you give me the courage to speak? I'd be curious to know. I want you to find me next week and tell me if you ended up praying for somebody in the candle aisle at Target this week. Would you do that? I know you're all thinking, no, come on, let's level up. Let's be bold. That's what the Holy Spirit does to us. And so I'm going to just be really honest and transparent with you because if you think that you shouldn't be doing that, just understand the guy who's standing here right now has no idea why God put me here. And I have no idea why you listen to me, to be completely honest. And you might be thinking, I don't listen to you, Ryan. This is the best 30 minutes of sleep I ever get. In my head, I'm just, again, I think, God, there are a whole lot of people who love to be on a stage talking, and they love to be the center of attention. It seems like it would have been a great match to just make those people be the pastor of the church, because I, this, it, it's fine. I, every week, what I literally do is I pray that a miracle will happen somewhere between here and your ears. And so if you ever think, wow, that was really good. Brian, you brought it today. That, it wasn't me. Give the credit and glory to God. I'm just here and praying that God will use this to somehow help you and encourage you. But I want you to know, I don't ever want you to tell me I can't do that because if I can stand up here and do this, you can do that. You can be the voice of God to someone else. And he's wanting to break down walls. That's what the, the whole thing that Jesus came here to do was, to bring us into a family together. And the potential is always there for amazing, miraculous things to happen when the good news of Jesus is shared. And this, I've got to wrap this up and bring this home, but I want you to go back to Acts, and we're just going to finish this out. The Holy Spirit was poured out, and the people responded. Peter started preaching. In fact, some of the people who showed up at the house, they were going, oh, this is wonderful. We're hearing these languages. But some of the people who showed up were going, these guys are drunk. 
which Peter probably could have said. He didn't say, but yeah, catch me three years ago. Maybe that would have been true, but it's nine in the morning. Come on, we're not that hardcore. No, what is happening here, he says this in verse 17, 16, 17. No, what you see here was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. It's in the Old Testament of the Bible. In the last days, which we are in, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. And Peter just kept preaching this powerful sermon. It's the first sermon he ever preached as far as we know. Verse 22, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles and wonders and signs through him for the last three years, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep his grip. Verse 32, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this, literally, they saw him dead, they saw him alive. Verse 36, he's bringing it home. Let everyone in Israel know for certain that God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Powerful sermon because thousands of people in the crowd, I don't know how many thousands were there, but it was a lot. Verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, here's what you need to do. Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized, immersed in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you. It's for your children. It's for all who are far away. By the way, Peter saw us. Almost 2,000 years later, we are the ones who are far away, and this message is still being carried out to all who've been called by the Lord our God. And man, it was such a powerful impact. He spoke those words. The Holy Spirit got their attention. He was moving in their heart. Verse 41, those who believe what Peter said were baptized, immersed in water, added to the church that day. 3,000 in all. This is day one of the church. And here we are 2,000 years later, and many of you have said yes to Jesus, and you're a part of this story that's been going on and on because people were open to the Holy Spirit they were willing to share the word. They were willing to pass it along. And now you are here, and it's our turn to receive the word, to receive the spirit, and to turn around and pass it on again. And so many people leveled up that day. 3,000 immediately. That's just in a church of 3,000 on day one. And it kept growing from there. Soon it was 5,000. And soon it was even more than that. Priests from the temple are becoming Christians. And then after a while, they got out of Jerusalem. They got out into Judea, and they went on up into Samaria. And eventually it went all over the world because that's what the church does. God is changing this broken place, and he wants you to be a part of this story. And I will tell you that we are in the very last chapter of this story, and it's not too late yet, but it's going to be. And you need to get in on it if you're not already, because God wants nothing more than you to be a part of his family. I mean, he was willing to give his own son's life to be with us for eternity, to give us eternal life, to welcome us into something that we could never have created on our own, to have this fellowship and this community that we never would have even dreamed would be possible. And it really only comes down to your willingness to say yes or no to that. And I hope you'll say yes, because there are Christians all over the day, all over the world today, who have said yes to that. And you're welcome to be one more. And if you already are a Christian, you're not off the hook, because there are so many Christians in the world today who are trying to follow Jesus, kind of, but they're pulling out the old hand wringer washing machine trying to do it, you know, on their own. And you don't have to do that. God has given you this amazing power. It says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. This should just blow you away. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
And this, just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. And man, I have been praying. We pray every week as elders, as a team. Just, and you're welcome to pray this too, just that people will hear the good news of Jesus and respond to it, and that we will stay committed to the good news of Jesus. So I don't know where you are. Maybe you are a Christian who's been living life way too hard and you just need to surrender to the Lord. Maybe you're not even a Christian yet or you don't even know what that means, but you know there's something that there's like poking you right now to do something. Lean into that and do something with it. The Lord wants you today to come into his family, to say yes to the amazing grace that Jesus offers, to confess him as Lord, to get in the water and be baptized. We do that all the time here. And you can just be one more person who says yes and become part of that story. You can write your name on the wall, as so many other Connection Christians have done, as they say yes to Jesus and be part of this thing that God is doing. I think it's time for you to level up. How about you? Let's pray. <coughs> Excuse me. Father, thank you for just what you're doing and tipping us off to what you're doing. It's been a mystery for so many thousands of years, but now we're in the know. We understand what you're doing, that you're reconciling the whole world to you through Jesus, and we want in. Will you help people just get over the barriers that stand between them and you and just to put their trust in you and just to believe that there is hope, there is eternal life? Will you help us be a church where we're not perfect, but we're doing the best we can to submit and follow you and trust you? Will you help us to be more than we ever would have been on our own? Will you just help in any way that somebody's struggling and they don't know what to do, even come through miraculously, Father, that you would do the kinds of things that you did 2,000 years ago among us because we ask and because we trust you and because we believe. Let this be a church where people say, man, I just really have come to know the Lord and my life is better. And Father, we just in everything have learned to look to you because we know how much you love us and care for us and what you'll do if we ask. And so we are asking now in Jesus' name, amen.